sitting in a cafe a few weeks ago, and I've shared this over the last few weeks, but uh, I was sitting in a cafe and I was finishing a series, six-week series, and just really clearly God said to me, that's not the series you're going to do. You're going to sit in Isaiah 55. And so I've been, over the last two weeks, we've been journeying through Isaiah 55, and we're going to sit in Isaiah 55 again today. Um, one, just a really, really beautiful chapter of Scripture. Um, over the last two weeks, we have looked at verse 1, 2, and 3, and it says this, Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk with, without money and without cost. Why spend your money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen. Listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. And over the last two weeks, we've looked at this idea that, that God want, it desires our joy. Um, he desires our happiness. Um, and he desires us to thirst after him with everything that we have. Um, and today we're going to be looking at one of the most, uh, I don't know, I'm not going to say powerful sections of scripture, but a really, really, um, uh, really, really important section of scripture and one that we will all know. In verse eight and nine, it reads this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Let me pray for us as we enter into God's word. Father, we come before you as a family this morning, and my prayer for us as a community is that we would just be hungry um, and thirsting after you. That, Father, we would be a people who are just desiring your glory and majesty above all else. Father, we thank you that you are with us, that you are present. We thank you that you carry all authority and all power. Father, we thank you that your word is relevant throughout all time. Father, we want to acknowledge that these words that were written over 3,000 years ago are just as relevant today as they were when they were first written. So, Father, just help us. Help us in our stubbornness. Help us in our pride. Father, help us to be a people who are free. Help us to be a people who just engage with your word and engage with you. And Father, we just want to thank you that where you are, there is life. Where your spirit is, there is freedom. And so we pray that over us as a family this morning. In your name, amen. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. We know as people our shortcomings. We know them. Paul talks about this. We know our failures. We know the stuff that we carry. We know our fears. We know our anxieties. We know the stuff that is heavy upon us this morning. Um, we know the times in our lives where we've done things that we're not proud of. We know the times where we've been snappy with our partner. We know the times where we've been snappy with our kids. We, we are all too aware of our shortcomings. And so this morning, what I want to look at is this idea that here we have God declaring in Isaiah 55, my thoughts are not your thoughts. 
Neither are my ways, neither are your ways my ways. And what I want to look at this morning is the fact that this is just a statement of hope for us. Because I don't want to sit here and go through like what our shortcomings are. What I want to do is sit here and go why this is the greatest statement of hope because of how good God is. And this is a statement of absolute hope for us. And so there's a few things I want to go through to, to start this morning off. And the first is this, kind of looking at God's resume. The first is this, God has perfect perspective over the whole world. We have this really, really view, small view, viewpoint. Um, we have, we, we live our lives through the lens with which we live, with, with which we view, um, life. And we can only be in one place at one time. God has this viewpoint where he sees everything at all times. We are here right now. We are present. We are nowhere else. And yet God is not like that. God has this viewpoint where he can see everything that is going on. He has perfect perspective. Eric Marset the other week kind of gave me a, a, a little picture that kind of helped me understand this a little bit better. When you think about a dog um, and you think about a child, for a child, a, a dog is, is, you know, a really big thing. And, um, and I, he was talking about, uh, we're talking about our kids. And f- for instance, I've got a German shepherd. His name's Zion. He's a big dog. And Eli's or Jasper, you know, four, th- four years old, three years old. And for, for them, like he's huge. He's big. Um, and he just said this really simple thing to me that kind of changed like how I viewed dogs for kids. Cause my, my son Jasper is quite scared of dogs. And he just changed my viewpoint. He said, imagine if like there was a dog that was the same size as us. And as like this huge dog that was right in front of you and, and, and like you would be scared of that. And with this really simple statement, he kind of changed my viewpoint of what a dog is like for a kid. Really simple, really basic, but kind of changed my perspective on these things. God has this perspective in life that is just so much greater than ours. It's so much more beyond ours. God has knowledge that is complete. We have this limited knowledge, no matter how much we've studied, no matter how much we've Googled things, we have this limited knowledge. We possess so little, and yet God knows absolutely everything. God is omnipresent, which means he is absolutely everywhere. There is nowhere that he isn't. We are in one place at one time, and yet God is absolutely everywhere. God is not bound by time. We are given a certain amount of days in this in this life. We have 24 hours in a day. And time is this thing that is a constant for all of us. God is not bound by time. He is outside of it. He always has been. He always will be. He is the Alpha and the Omega. There is never a time he hasn't existed and there never will be a time that he won't exist. God is outside of time. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. We serve a God who is so far beyond us. His authority is unquestionable. His power is absolutely um, so much greater than anything that we can control in this life. God is absolutely and fundamentally love. He loves us more than we can love ourselves. He loves others infinitely more than we do. This is the message of the cross. God created us with a breath, with a word. He created our being. He knows our our inmost being. Psalm 139. 
He knitted us together in our mother's womb. He thought about who we would be. He thought about what we would look like. He thought about us being created and it was so. He knows us infinitely more than we can know ourselves. We live in a time where the word emotional intelligence in leadership gets thrown out all the time. And emotional intelligence in leadership basically means that we, we come to an understanding of knowing ourselves. We know our flaws. We know our weaknesses. We know our triggers. We know the things that upset us. We know our anxieties. And the more that we can deal with them, the more that we process them, the more that we're able to love other people and lead other people. Emotional intelligence is a really, really key factor of leadership. The best leaders are leaders who are very emotionally intelligent. They know what drives them. They know their weaknesses and their flaws. They know what their emotions trigger. And so in leadership today in 2018, this is a very popular concept and a really important one. But the truth is, no matter how much we process, no matter how much we try and work on ourselves, no matter how much we try and understand ourselves, God knows us infinitely more than we can ever know ourselves. God knows us infinitely more than our wives or our husbands or our best friends can ever know us. He created us. He knows what brings us happiness. He knows what brings us joy. He knows what satisfies us more than anyone else in the world. God is miraculous. We have this world in which there are rhythms, there are patterns, there are things that are under control. And yet God, with the snap of his fingers, can pull out a miracle and change things however he wants them to be. We serve a God that is miraculous. He has complete power and complete control. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. We serve a God who has perfect perspective, who has complete control, who is miraculous, who is all-powerful, who knows us infinitely more than we know ourselves, who desires our happiness and our joy and our satisfaction. And here we have this statement written over 3,000 years ago where God is saying to us, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. And this is actually a ridiculously beautiful statement of hope. But on top of this, like, theology of who God is, we have his character. And in Isaiah 55, we see this, these, um, this list of his characteristics that are just so, so beautiful for us. In Isaiah 55 alone, we, we, we read that God is these. God is grace-driven. He's not driven by works. He is grace-driven. We looked at the story of the man on the cross, the two men on the cross last week. We looked at the fact that there was a man there who had committed ridiculous sins. We don't know what they were, but he had done stuff in this life that he was sitting on a cross and saying, yeah, I deserve to be on this cross. And with one simple interaction with God, with one simple conversation with Jesus, Jesus he asked Jesus, remember me. Remember me when you go into paradise this day. And Jesus turns to him and says, today you will be with me in paradise. Here is a man that deserved to be on the cross. And with one simple conversation, God's grace just overwhelmed him. In Isaiah 55 verse 3, we read that God is faithful. In Isaiah 55 verse 4, we read that he is a leader. We read that he is holy, he is merciful, he is everlasting, he is joyful, he is peaceful in Isaiah 55. 
This is a God that is worth following. We're really good at trying to control things. In 2018 in the hills, we are really good at trying to control our lives. And here we have this really simple statement from Isaiah 55, verse 8, where God is saying, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. They are so much greater. He is a God that is faithful, that is always faithful. He is a God who is merciful, who gives us what we do not deserve. He is a God that is everlasting. He is a God that is completely and utterly joyful. God is happy. He is really, really happy. And he is peaceful. And we know that the message of the cross, we know that the message of the resurrection is that God is victorious. We already know the end time story. We already know that Jesus is victorious. We have the book of Revelation. And so we follow this God who is completely victorious. There is no questions about his victory over the darkness. And so here we have this God who is in complete control. His character is just ridiculously good. He is a God that is kind. He is a God that is faithful. He is a God that loves us. And he is a God that has complete control and has complete victory over what is to come. This is his resume. We can put things on our resume that might look really good from the world standards. We might have worked in a job that was really, really good. We might have a really excellent degree where we've worked, we've studied for way too long to, to get a job that, uh, that we want. But God's resume is so far beyond ours. And here in this simple statement, he is saying to us, his ways are so much higher than our ways. And so what we're going to look at this morning is this simple idea of trust, this simple idea of, of faith. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. And as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And for me, there are two times in our lives where this verse, we pull this verse out and we really wrestle with this verse. And the first is in life when we are trusting God with decisions that we're going to make. Whether it's what career we, we want to we wanna have, where, whether it's where we live, whether it's decisions about our family, we make decisions on a daily basis. Some of them are really small, but there are times in our life where we make decisions that are huge. It might be that we have a job that is overseas or interstate and we have to decide whether we're going to uproot our family and move. It might be to do with decisions that are going on in our workplace and what we do in the workplace. It might be to do with our family and where we send our kids to school or what's going on for them in their lives. We live in a time in 2018 where we have endless opportunities. So many young people in 2018 are struggling so much because they are overwhelmed with the amount of choices that they can make about the careers in which they can, can choose. A hundred years ago, 200 years ago, this wasn't a problem. If your father was a blacksmith, you would probably learn that trade and go on to be a blacksmith. But in 2018, we have endless opportunities due to technology, um, which is incredible. We can work wherever we want, really, around the world. We can study whatever degree. And there are now advertisements at the moment to do with universities where you can create your own degree if you want to. We live in a time of endless opportunity, but one of the things that that creates is this anxiety because we have endless choice. We don't have clear paths that are there for us anymore. And so for a lot of young people in 2018, they're overwhelmed by the amount of options. And I hear this question all the time. What is the right path for me? 
What is the path that God is wanting me to go down? What if I stuff it up? What if I don't listen to what path he wants me to go down? And there is this marker in our time in 2018 of unsettledness that is happening more and more and more. We want to control things. And what God is saying to us is he wants us to listen and he wants us to follow. I've shared this little story before, but I think it's a really helpful one with where we're going today. There was a headmaster who um, took three boys out into the yard and it was uh, there was snow all over the ground. And he said to the three boys, he said, walk in a straight line for as long as you can. And so the three boys walked in a straight line for, I think it was 50 meters, 100 meters, whatever it was. And the three boys walked to the end of their line and the headmaster's there and he, he looks at them and he said, he looks at the lines that these three boys have made in the snow, their footprints. And the, the only thing he asked them to do was walk in a straight line, concentrate on walking in a straight line. And the three boys, when they looked around and they saw where they had walked, Two of the boys had walked, they'd concentrated really hard on walking in a straight line, step after step. And yet they'd walked in this crooked sort of, by the end of the hundred meters, they'd walked in this angle, this sharp angle. And there was one boy who walked in this perfectly straight line. And the headmaster asked the three boys, the first two boys, he asked them, what were you looking at? What were you doing when you tried to walk in this straight line? And the two boys said, they were just looking, and they looked down at their feet, and they just concentrated step by step on trying to walk in a really straight line. And to the third boy, who'd walked in this perfectly straight line, he asked, what were you concentrating on? And the third boy said, really simply, I'm concentrating on that tree far, like far, far away. So it's a really simple analogy, but all it means is basically we are really good at looking down at our feet. We are really good at trying to control the little decisions in our life. We're really good at trying to control the big decisions in our life. And here we have God in Isaiah 55 saying, my ways are not your ways. My ways are higher than your ways. And the boy who is the one who walks in a straight line, all he did was have his gaze in the right direction. He had his gaze on the tree far off in the distance. And what we're looking at today is this idea that we as followers of Jesus, all we need to do in this life is be people of faith. All we need to do in this life is be be people whose gaze is upon the king, whose gaze, gaze is constantly heavenward, whose gaze is constantly on Jesus. Because when our gaze is constantly on Jesus, we actually can't take the wrong path. We actually can't walk in the wrong direction. Because he will constantly lead us towards him and take us in the directions that his plans are for us. Here we have this God of perfect perspective, this God that is eternal, this God that has all knowledge, this God that is not bound by time. And yet we are so good at looking down at our feet and going, nah, God, I've got this. I'm all good here. It might be the smallest decisions to do with our families. It might be the smallest decisions to do with our workplaces. But we are really good at just going, I got this one, God. And just walking with our feet downwards and then looking back and wondering why we have this crooked path constantly throughout our lives. What God wants for us, his greatest desire for us is this deep, beautiful joy. And that joy comes when we are constantly affixed to who he is, when we are focused on him. If you think about the Old Testament, this is what he is asking of the Israelites as they walk through the desert, as we shared earlier. All he says to them is follow this pillar of fire by night 
Follow this pillar of smoke by the day and I will lead you to the promised land. In Hebrews 11 verse 1, we read, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith is not about what we will get in return. Faith is about a trust in who we do not see. In Hebrews 11 verse 1, we read that some of the people who are accredited with having this ridiculous faith of being heroes of the faith, they saw miracles in this life. They saw people raised from the dead. And then there were a second group of people who were accredited with having this ridiculous same faith. And some of them were sawn in two. Some of them were persecuted. Some of them were killed for their faith. But both of them accredited as being heroes of the faith. And so really simply, we're being told in this that we are people who need to put our trust in a God who has perfect perspective, who possesses all knowledge, one that is not limited by anything, that is everywhere at all times, is outrageously focused on loving us, which means he lays down his life for us and he has a greater vision for us. Here we have a God that has created us and knows exactly what we need to be satisfied and happy a God that is grace-driven, faithful, holy, merciful, that is a leader and that is intent on leading us to everlasting peace and joy. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. And really simply, one of the first ways that we look at this passage is when we need to make decisions. And what I want to remind us of as a community is that all we need to do when we make decisions is trust God. If we are in a simple habit of inviting God on a constant basis, on a daily basis into our decision making, it completely changes the course of our lives. It changes every aspect of our life. The second time I think a lot of people, and I know I have looked at this passage, is that when we're going through storms in our lives, when we're going through times in our lives that are really, really difficult, the last few weeks, I've talked about the fact that God wants us to be happy, that he, he wants our joy, that when we follow him, we overflow with this happiness and with this joy. And that is one of the most um, true statements that I can ever say as a leader. But sometimes we need to recognize, and we all know this, that sometimes life is really unfair. Sometimes life is really, really difficult. There are times when we read this and my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, your ways becomes really tested because we sit there and go, God, are you actually good? Why are we going through what we're going through? And as we go through hardships and trials and severe suffering, trusting that his ways are higher becomes really difficult sometimes. A period of life for me and Amy that I've shared before was when we were trying to have kids. And this is about five years ago now. And there, were, there was about two years where we were trying to have kids and we couldn't fall pregnant. And um, and it was month after month. And one of the things was that Amy is a mum. She's always felt called to be a mum. We started going out when we were 16 years old. Um, I made the moves on her in high school. She rejected me for a while. And then finally, you know, she couldn't resist. And I remember as a 16 year old, I remember talking to her and like she wanted to be a mum. Like she wanted to be a mum that she's felt that was a calling on her life for so, so long. And, um, and for, we started, you know, just, we decided, I think we were about 23 and we decided, yeah, I think, I think we're ready to have kids. And, um, and we didn't fall pregnant straight away and we didn't understand that. Like we didn't know what the go was. And, 
about six months in, we actually started a question like, what is, what is happening here? Why haven't we just fallen pregnant? Like I did, you know, you 10 PE, I thought it was pretty simple. And, um, and about a year in, we started to actually question what is going on. We, we saw a doctor and, um, and I remember this sadness started to creep over us. And every month we, you know, we'd do the tests and the tests would come back negative and this sadness started to creep upon us more and more. I remember having, I remember this one doctor's appointment that we had where the doctor said, we can't figure out what's wrong with either of you, um, but there is a good chance that after this long you guys won't have kids. And I look back at that conversation and I remember how foolish it was now with hindsight, but at the time it was absolutely devastating for us. And for us, this sadness just started to creep month by month by month as our hope kind of dwindled and went smaller and smaller. Um, Mother's Day was a really, really difficult day during that time. And I remember for Amy, she had this sadness over her. And for me, I had this sadness that crept into this thing called depression. All of a sudden, my hope was tested. All of a sudden, I didn't want to get out of bed in the morning. All of a sudden, my love for people and my desire to hang out with people became non-existent. My hope in God was a wrestle. It was a struggle. It was really, really difficult. I had to lead during that time. And that was one of the hardest moments and like periods of my life because here I had to preach and I had to get up and share about God's goodness. And deep down, I was so, so, so sad. We questioned our purpose. We questioned God's goodness. We questioned his authority and power. We sat there and asked God, like, why are you doing this? We hear that you are good. We know that you are good. And yet we have these desires on our heart. Why will you not give these to us? Now, as I share this, two years might not seem like a very long time, but when you are in it, when you are there month by month, it was brutal. It was dark. It was really, really hard for us. And I know that in this room today, there are people that have gone through much more suffering than me and Amy have ever gone through. With this many people gathered in a room, there are probably people who have had miscarriages. There are people who we know that have died. There are people who we know who have died well before their time. At the moment, we know people who are suffering with cancer. We know people who are struggling with illness. We know people who are struggling with depression. In this room, we are all affected in different ways. And there are times with which we will question God's goodness. We will question his authority. We will question his power. We will question his kindness. We will question what it means to actually be happy in God. In Isaiah 55 verse 3, it says this, engage with God. The writer in Isaiah says, give ear and come to me, hear me that your soul may live. And one of the things I wanted to remind us of this morning is that his ways are higher than our ways. One of the things I learned during that time is I don't understand how God operates all the time. There are so many things that he does where I sit there and go, that is not how I would have planned it. That is not the path I would have taken. God, if I was in control, I would have done things very, very differently to you. I can also attest a couple of years later, I can sit here after going through that time in our lives and I recognize that God is good. I wouldn't change that time in my life for anything, no matter, even though it was the saddest time that we've ever gone through. I wouldn't change that time, even though we carry scars to this day, which I still feel. 
I want to remind us this morning that we are not always going to logically understand God's plans. And that is why we are people of faith. That is why we are people who trust in the unseen. We're not people who control the future. We're not people who control the things that are going on around us. We are people who trust. We trust really simply and fundamentally in God's goodness. We trust in his character, even though we don't always understand us. One of the things I wanted to remind us of this morning, for those of us who are going through the storm, for those of us who are really um, struggling with trusting God through the storm, is that God feels the pain that we feel, that he loves us deeply, that he is walking with us, that his plans and purposes for us are significant and they are great and they are beautiful and they are kind and they don't always completely make sense. In Psalm 23 verse 4, it says, for you are with me. And my great uncle, when he was in the war, was it's this picture that's kind of helped me, but he, my great uncle was in the war and he was behind enemy lines. He was in a, um, in a unit and his whole unit had been killed. He was the only one who'd survived and he was walking behind enemy lines in World War II and he was scared. I've heard this story from my mum over and over. But he was scared. Um, he thought he was going to die. He'd seen so much death. And as he was walking along, he was praying. He was a man of faith, a man of incredible faith. And as he was walking along, he was joined by this other man. And for the rest of his journey, while he was walking through enemy lines, this man walked with him. And he got to the end of his journey. He got to where he needed to go to be safe. And he turned around to thank this man who'd been talking to. Um, and the man was no longer there. And it was at that moment that my great uncle realized that he'd been walking with an angel because as he recollected and thought through the conversations and he thought through what had been going on, it made absolutely no sense that someone would just join him for that journey. And here we have like in our lives, we have a God that walks with us. We don't have a God that is distant or cold, no matter how much the enemy wants to, that for you to think that when you are suffering, when you are going through the storm, when you are in the valley. What I want to remind you of and what scripture constantly wants to remind us of is that God is with us. He never forsakes us. He never leaves us. We might not always feel that. Things might not always logically make sense. But he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. For your thoughts are not my thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. And as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. We are people of faith. And finally, we have this beautiful, beautiful passage that goes on. And this is what it looks like to be that child who walks in a straight line and focuses on God. And I'll finish on this. In verse 10 to 11, it says this, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And really simply, because we're short on time this morning, I just want to say this. God speaks life. 
He spoke us into creation. And when he speaks, his word never returns to him, him void. When his word goes into us, it never leaves us empty. It changes us. We are told in Acts that he is the author of life. We looked at George Mueller last week, and George Mueller was a a man who had incredible influence. We looked at the fact that last week he influenced over 10,000 orphans um, and was able to provide shelter, education, accommodation, um, and the gospel for these kids. He ended up changing how England um, looked after orphans in the 1800s. He had a huge, a huge impact on justice. He spoke up for those who could not speak for themselves and had a ridiculous impact on the marginalized, on the poor and those living in extreme poverty. George Mueller was a guy who got incredible things done for the kingdom of God. But George Mueller at the heart of him was a man who understood that his being was more important than what he did. He was a man who understood that he needed God to speak into his life if he was going to be able to speak anything into the world in which he lived. And so George Mueller said these things. He said, the more we know of God, the happier we are. When we become a little acquainted with God, our true happiness commenced. And the more we become acquainted with him, the more truly happy we become. What will make us so exceedingly happy in heaven? It will be fuller knowledge of God. He goes on to say that I saw the most important thing that I had to do was to give myself to the reading of the word and to the meditation on it. In this passage, we're told in Isaiah 55 verse verse 10, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire. Really simply, if we want to be like that kid who walks in a straight line, our gaze needs to be on Jesus. It's really simple. And for our gaze to be on Jesus, we need to allow his word to speak into us on a daily basis. We need to allow his word to have all authority in our in us, to be able to water us, to be able to um, be like snow that comes down from the mountains and refreshes us and renews us on a daily basis. If we want to be really good at making decisions in this life, if we want to be, if we want to be people who walk in step with God, then we need to be able to be listening to God's voice. If we want to be people who make decisions in this life to influence our children or our grandchildren, and we put them on the right paths, then we ourselves need to be walking on the right path. We ourselves need to be allowing God's word to be shaping us in the smallest moments in our lives. If we want to be a people who navigate the storms in our lives that we will all go through, we need to be a people who soak ourselves with God's word. We live in a time where we're always looking for new answers. We're always looking for new ways of doing things. And yet truth and wisdom is eternal. We never evolve past God's word. We never evolve past these disciplines and habits of allowing God's word on a daily basis to renew us and to shape us. God's word carries all authority. It carries all power. And the question for us is a really simple one. Are we allowing God's word to renew us on a daily basis? For two years, I struggled with depression. For two years, I wrestled with God in this. I didn't feel God. I wasn't sitting there waking up, just joyfully putting my hands in the air, going, God, you are good. For that two years, it was a wrestle, it was a slog, it was really hard work. 
But there was one verse that God gave me that I meditated on. I literally sat on this verse for, for over a year, nearly two years, because it was the only verse that seemed to make sense to me. It was in John 1 verse 5, and it says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will never overcome it. That verse was pivotal for me during those two years. That was pivotal for me to be able to look that way and go, God, I'm going to follow you, but I have no idea what it looks like. I'm going to trust you, but it is really, really difficult in this moment. That one verse was living and active for me. That one verse took me down a path that allowed me to see God in a way today that I wouldn't be able to see him if I hadn't journeyed with that verse, that one sentence, that one little portion of scripture. For me, that was rain and snow from heaven. The passage goes on to finish up and says, it will accomplish what I desire. And in verse 12, it says, you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. God's word will always accomplish what he desires and what he desires for us is joy and peace. This is what we are all seeking. This is what I'm seeking. I want to be someone who's really happy in God. I want to be someone who's really satisfied in God. I want to be someone who isn't anxious. I want to be someone who just carries his peace wherever I go because the world in which we live needs God's peace. The world in which we live needs God's happiness. It needs us to believe in him more than anything else in the world. It needs us to be more satisfied in him than anything else in the world because when we are satisfied in him, that is contagious. There is nothing more contagious than belief and I've shared that every week for the last three weeks. Really simply, we are called to put our trust in a grace-driven, faithful, holy, merciful leader that has an intent to lead us in an everlasting peace and joy. This is the crux of Isaiah 55. That is the vision for us as a church. That is the vision for us as a center, that we would be a people who are overflowing with his peace, with his joy, and are completely satisfied in him through the good and through the bad. Let me pray for us. Father, we just want to thank you that you accomplish what you desire, that your character is good, that you love us, that you care for us. Father, we just want to acknowledge now that you are a God that is kind. Father, I want to thank you that you walk through with us through the valley. I want to thank you that you never leave us, you never forsake us. I want to thank you that you love us. And so, Father, I just want to pray that you would be speaking the words with which you want to speak into us as a community. And for those of us who are carrying heavy burdens this morning, Father, I want to pray that your peace would be upon us. For those of us who are struggling with decisions, Father, I want to pray that you would just give us wisdom. And give us your sight. And Father, most of all, I want to pray that you would um, instill in us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. Father, I want to pray that you would give us a desire as we wake up tomorrow morning just to glorify you. That in the busyness of our schedules, with all the chaos that is in our lives, with so much that is happening for us, Father, I want to pray that you would remind us that your word is like dew from heaven. 
I want to pray that you would remind us that you are good and that we need you more than anything else in this life. And Father, as you do that, I want to pray that we would overflow into the different areas that we are called to go into, that we would be a people of peace and joy who just speak life into the communities in which we are a part of because we have you with us. Thank you that you never leave us, you never forsake us, and that you love us deeply. Amen.